is Gary Parrish with CBSSports.com. It is now Wednesday, March 27th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined, per usual, by my colleagues Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and we will get to uh, the Sweet 16 and the upcoming Elite Eight matchups between Arizona, Wisconsin, Kentucky, and Notre Dame uh, soon enough, but we'll start with the big news of the day. Donnie Tindall out at Tennessee after one year as the Vols coach. He went 16-16, and 16, and honestly, that wasn't a problem at all. In fact... Uh, according to most reasonable minds, he actually overachieved given uh, the roster that he inherited. But uh, we found out early in the season that the NCAA was investigating his program, uh, the program that he used to run at Southern Miss, and ultimately uh, that has caught up to him. I reported yesterday that Tennessee officials were supposed to have a conference call with NCAA officials uh, to discuss what they plan to formally charge uh, Donnie Tindall with, for lack of a better verb, uh, that call did go down yesterday, and within hours, uh, Donnie Tindall's contract was terminated, as I reported early this morning. And so, Norlander, I'll start with you. Um, you actually went to Knoxville in the offseason and spent some time with Donnie Tindall. Uh, sort of weird to think that this is already over, although um, I think given what we know about the situation at Southern Miss and the uh, penalties he was likely to uh, have to endure from the NCAA, uh, this is a, a pretty practical resolution, even if it is an odd situation. Yeah, um, practical resolution is the right term. Uh, man, I mean, you say Tennessee couldn't have possibly known, uh, but the public perception period will be that they botched this hire. Um, Donnie did coaching-wise about as well as you could have expected him to do. Um, Tennessee... Between his football, our John Solomon tweeted this out, between its football and basketball program over the past nine years now, we've gone through seven coaches, which is just unreal at a major program and a major athletic department, especially in the SEC. Um, With Donnie, uh, he's damaged goods at this point. Um, If he's going to get a head job, it's going to be at a very tiny school, if that... um, and by the way, there was a, there's been a letter released. So Dave Hart's letter to Tyndall, his termination letter, uh, is on the internet. Um, and we'll li- if you're listening to this, uh, we'll link it in the podcast post so you can see it. But uh, one, of the, one of the biggest smoking guns is that – GP, I don't have the timeline right in front of me. But we, we, we learned about this um, early November, I believe. Uh, and in late November, uh, uh, per the uh, letter from Hart to Tyndall – uh, Donnie went into his old Southern Miss email account, which he still had access to, or someone still had access to, and deleted emails that were believed to be uh, pretty significant to the NCAA's investigation over possible improprieties that could have happened while he was at Southern Miss. And so that obviously uh, is a significant act of, uh, of obstruction of NCAA justice, uh, of, per, of possible guilt, who knows. Um, so that was, you know, for that to have been pointed out in the letter was a, was a pretty big thing there. So they, they rightfully move on here. Um, they obviously, I mean, GP, you had this from the get-go in terms of the, the, the language in Tyndall's contract, given the fallout with Bruce Pearl, Tennessee protected itself. Donnie isn't, you know, this isn't a firing and he's getting a buyout. Tom, Contract's over. March 31, he will not be paid by Tennessee anymore after that. And so now we'll move on to um, who they'll hire. Um, and, you know, Greg Marshall's name is going to be thrown out there. I don't think that's a likely. He got passed once. He didn't like that. He didn't take it a second time. 
So if people are wondering if that might be competing with Bama or if Texas opens up. I don't personally. I don't see that happening. Yeah, let me stop you right there because yeah, I immediately people are like, "What about Greg Marshall?" And I'm I'm like, "That's ridiculous." And they say, "Well, why Alabama? Why is Tennessee ridiculous and and Alabama's not?" What what Alabama is going to be able to present to Greg Marshall like very very soon is not just a ton of money. Frankly, that. Um, Tennessee isn't prepared to offer a men's basketball coach. Keep in mind, um, Tennessee had an opening last year, and you'd be naive to think they didn't indirectly reach out to Greg Marshall. Right. And and basically they were told by people close to Greg Marshall sort of what it would even take to get him to take a look at him. Like, I'm, we're not telling you what it would take to get him. We're telling you what it would take for him to even, like, take my phone call if I wanted to talk to him about you. And, and that was the end of it. So, like, whatever the number was, like, if it's 2.2 or 2.5, whatever number Tennessee officials were told it would take to even get Greg Marshall to answer the phone, that was a number they balked at. They wouldn't even – and, like, literally no other conversations were ever had, I was told. And so I say that to say, um, like, the price has gone up. <laughs> so if you couldn't afford him – or, or weren't willing to go for him last offseason, you, you can't afford him now. Beyond that, what Alabama, and I don't know why people can't grasp this, what Alabama is going to present to Greg Marshall is the idea of an athletic department rooted in excellence. Don't pay attention to the idea that we haven't been great in men's basketball. Pay attention to the idea that we've been great at basically everything else we've ever wanted to be great at. We've won national. I think I would read this somewhere. They read they've won national championships in four different sports in like the last whatever years, and so they're going to not sell men's basketball. They're going to sell their athletic department, and and all the money in the world and all the things you need to be successful. And they're also going to be able to 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 sell to Greg um, an athletic department um, that isn't in complete disarray, an athletic department that is competent, and. Even if you're a Tennessee fan, you couldn't possibly argue that that's an athletic department that seems competent at this point. Because though, I guess you could say that you didn't know Donnie Tindall wasn't being investigated by Southern Miss. People knew, and if you and 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 that means you probably should have known. If you didn't know, it's if you knew and hired him anyway, shame on you. If you didn't know, also shame on you. You should have known, and so that feeds back into this uh, perception that the Tennessee athletic director, Dave Hart, um, who didn't go to bat for Conzo Martin when Conzo Martin needed him to go to bat for him, which is another thing that coaches don't really look fondly on. Um, there's just a whole bunch of stuff at Tennessee that makes Tennessee not make sense. And there is a whole bunch of stuff at Arizona, at, at Alabama that makes Alabama uh, make sense. So who will Tennessee hire next? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they know. Uh, but it, it won't be Greg Marshall. He, he like genuinely won't even take their phone call. I think they'd be wiser to start looking at names like Brad Underwood, Steve Prome, Michael White. Yeah. I, think that's uh, power. I think that's the power. Oh, well, I mean, Pitino's out there too, but I don't Richard know. Richard Pitino would make some yeah. sense. And that's, yeah. that you know, he's been at Minnesota two years, no NCAA tournament, probably not going next year based on the roster. Like at some point you need a fresh start and maybe a little bit of a, um, like a restart, you know, a restart. Let's call it that. Like, Okay, if you're going to go it's three, po- yeah. yeah, so like... Uh, it's possible. Um, I'm just telling I, you that that's something I, I believe that, yeah, he, yeah. that he would look at for a lot of different reasons. Oh, no, I get, yeah, you, yeah. I get why you look at it. Um, another one, here's another name you could look at and, and like go check out his contract. 
because it was put together pretty quickly. Um, and see if you're interested in this guy who ha- who's from the area, Chris Holtman at Butler. You could you could at least make the phone call if you were interested in that. Huh. I don't believe his contract is as strong as maybe most people think. Yeah, uh, because it was so put together, and Butler knew mm-hmm. that he would accept anything. He was he was um, he was interested in stability more than anything else, and getting a yeah. long term deal was like whatever. So I'll sign anything, um, but I don't I don't think the buyout's crazy. And if you wanted to go that route, given that he grew up in the South, I think he coached at Gardner Webb, which is not too terribly far away, um, so he knows the area. Like that's, I'm just throwing out ideas here. Yeah. Like that, listen, the point is Tennessee yeah. has – Donnie's not young, but he's not old. But the, the Tennessee has a lot of uh, really promising young candidates here. So if you're a volunteer standing and you're, and you're rightfully frustrated over this just vortex that you can't get out of, I mean the point is you're going to get a really good coach – under you know under forty five years old that's that's going to happen here. Don't you rule out Brad Underwood so quickly? He's fifty one. Is, is he fifty one years old? He didn't get his first head coaching yeah. job until he was forty nine years old. Oh my gosh! That's I didn't realize he was that. I thought he was about forty four, forty five. No, that's the thing. Like he didn't get his shot until he was forty nine, and now he's killed it sixty one and eight in two years. Wow. Man. Yeah. Hey, Underwood would be a good job there too. So yeah. I, it, that'll be. Also, he'll be the guy. I don't. I don't know if he'll be the guy because uh, Chris Jans, you know, the former Wichita assistant. But like, if Marshall does leave Wichita, Jans will get a call. But Underwood makes a lot of sense there as well. He's from the state of Kansas. Sam, I, I want to bring you into this uh, because we've been talking for nine minutes, and I don't think you've said four words. Um, Hi guys. Hey, how are you? It's good to speak to you again. Let, <laughs> uh, let me ask you of, of the type of candidates that we've been mentioning. I don't need to know what you think of Greg Marshall. I understand everybody thinks the same mm. thing about Greg Marshall, but. The Proms, the Michael Whites, the Underwoods, the Holtmans, the guys who have had a, a limited amount of success. Will Wade, I think, make, would be on the, under consideration at Tennessee. He went to school there. Um, like, who, who was attractive from your point of view? So, yeah, I, I really like Mike White a lot from Louisiana Tech. He's one of, I think, 11 or 12 coaches to have won 100 games in his first four years. Uh, it's, it, it makes a little bit more sense for him to leave this year as well. Um, even though he hasn't made the NCAA tournament in four years, he got really unlucky in three of those years, the last three years, uh, just losing out in the conference tournament after winning the regular season title. Um, and all of his seniors, he brought in this three-person senior class of uh, Speedy Smith, Reem Appleby, and uh, Michael Kaiser when, right whenever he got to Louisiana Tech, and now those guys are graduating. So I can see a circumstance where he would say, you know, um, I, I've done a lot here. I got my seniors through that. I, and he loved those guys. He loved all three of those guys uh, from talking to him. I know. So I can see him thinking, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe this is the time. And I think he'd be a good candidate at Alabama. I think he'd be a good candidate basically anywhere in that sec, uh, like area sure he's he's from uh he went to mississippi something of a i don't want to call him like a legend at mississippi but like a lot of people a lot of people really like him mississippi is starting point guard for three years i want to say oh people have Uh, been trying to make him andy kennedy's replacement for like three years now yeah i don't think that's gonna happen unless andy leaves right um just because andy's done a terrific job there but um yeah yeah i think that mike white would be a terrific hire and that that's not to denigrate what steve prom and brad underwood have done i just think that uh Mike White has the SEC ties that some of those guys maybe don't because Steve Prohm graduated from Alabama, but he's not as prominent an SEC name as Mike White, if that makes sense. No, it does. A um, couple other coaching news, and then let's move on. 
uh, because there are actual basketball games. And last night was fun, and tonight should be fun, and Saturday should be terrific. Um, the report last night from both the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, I believe, and the Austin American Statesman that Steve Patterson, the athletic director at Texas, um, has basically told Rick Barnes, you must make staff changes or else we'll make head coaching changes. Uh, I, I'm fundamentally a, a, against the idea of this unless it's a young head coach who maybe needs to be told to get help. Uh, you know, Rick Barnes is, is not a young head coach. He has been at this school for 17 years. I think forcing him to make staff changes doesn't really do anything. Like if you don't believe in him and his staff, you should change everybody, not just him. So I, this is a weird approach for, for Steve, but I wonder, and Norlander, you tell me what you think about this. I wonder if this isn't just a convenient place for Rick Barnes to stand up and show he's a quote principal man and he will not sacrifice um, his friends and assistants. Um, and he'd rather resign before doing that and he can sort of walk away in some sort of dignified way um, and, and, and leave all of this mess behind, which is something that on some level he's got a desire, even if the paychecks are really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, if that's the case, this is one of the most elaborate <laughs> parting of the ways. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I don't think they sat a good look for Steve Patterson because you basically get shown by your head coach. I think, no, let me be clear. I think Steve Patterson is doing this because he thinks it's the right thing to do. You know, he did the and same thing with Rick Barnes is a really likable human being to sit down and talk with, and it's not an easy thing, I think, to on a personal level with Patterson to part ways. I, that's I think that's also part of it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think with Patterson, um, he did this with Herb Syndic at Arizona State, so I'm I'm confident he at least thinks that this is the right thing to do. I just think it's a dumb thing to do. And he did it with Mac Brown too, didn't he? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I, I want to Mac- say that that was the thing that happened. Uh, I, Mac Brown had to like restructure his staff. I know Mac Brown did. He got, rest- like, he I know got he, a few years out of it too. I know he did restructure his staff. I'm not sure if, if that was because Steve told him to. I really just, I don't know, but somebody else knows. I'm sure somebody can look it up. Um, but yeah. I know that he did this with Herb. I, I just think it's a dumb thing to do. Um, but if you're, it's just, it, it leads to a situation where I could, I don't want to. I, I don't know, but I, I could see a scenario where Rick Barnes says, "I'll resign before I fire assistant coaches," and then just just announces his resignation and and everybody moves on. I, I, it's pretty clear at this point. Every you know, Texas is what would prefer to move on, and so this seems like you know, like you you need to walk ten miles, but you're only walking seven. You know, like they're scared to go the other the other few miles. Yeah. That's what this feels like to me. Like you know. Um, and as we've talked about before, I, I can certainly make the, the, a beautiful argument for why Texas, it's time to move on. Even if you mess the higher up, it's just time to move on and get new energy in the program. Like I can reasonably, I think anybody could reasonably make that. So why Patterson's willing to try to um, micromanage Rick, but isn't willing to actually just pull the trigger on Rick seems like a weird thing to me. Yeah, it's weird. Um and they better like. Here's the thing: they gotta they gotta move here. I mean, if, if well, that's Rick the other staying, thing. If Rick is staying, like he's staying, and and you gotta get an answer here because I, you know, if, if Bama's gonna come hard and heavy at Marshall, he is not gonna just sit and wait for Texas. He's not going to. Um, so what are they gonna do? How fast is this gonna move? And if they don't, and then they if they don't move fast, and then they and then Barnes leaves, you know, ten fourteen days from now. Um, 
you know, they'll still have options as Texas, don't get me wrong, but it, you know, it's time is a little bit of the essence here. So, uh, this is, this is definitely, I did not expect that move from Patterson that I was reported on Thursday night. Yeah, that was weird. Now, let me be clear. If, um, if Texas wants Greg Marshall, and I don't know if they do. Like, I, you talk to one person, it's Marshall. If you talk to another person, it's Shaka. I've heard both. Um, but if they want Greg Marshall, ideally, they'd better move quickly because Alabama's not going to wait on them. And, and Greg is the type of guy who, I don't want to speak for him, but this is just my impression. He's the type of guy who, who would take offense to the idea that Texas, you know, t- took their time while Alabama was and Nick Saban and Bill Battle were being super aggressive. Like the idea of being heavily pursued in a aggressive and and flattering way, I think that matters to Greg on some level. And the idea that Texas would be knowing that Alabama's moving in this direction, trying to at least, and yet still sitting around going, well, we don't know what we're going to do. Like, He'd be more attracted to the people who knew what they wanted to do as opposed sure. to the folks who, yeah. who don't know what they want to do, if that makes sense. Uh, last thing, Norlander, uh, you were in uh, Cleveland last night. Do you think that was Greg Marshall's last game at Wichita State? I'm in Cleveland this morning, and I, I am inclined to believe that was his last game. I'm not guaranteeing it. I'm not saying that it's a 90% proposition, but I do believe that that was the last game he will coach as a, at Wichita State, yes. If I were guessing, I, like if you told me here's here's a hundred thousand dollars, bet it either way, I would bet the same thing. I, I think that that was probably his last game at Wichita State, one way or another. Where he ends up, like Alabama, Texas, somewhere else, uh, we'll see. And it could be Wichita. I'm not ruling it out. If I was ruling it out, I'd just write it and type, right. type breaking news and wait for a bunch of people to steal it and pretend it was theirs. Uh, but <laughs> but um, you know, but but if I if a hundred thousand dollars, bet it one way or another. I would bet that, um, yeah, last night was his last game at Wichita State. Let's talk about last night for a minute. You were in Cleveland. Uh, just an unbelievable performance from Kentucky. Um, there's a whole bunch of stats that underline this. Um, from lowest points allowed in a Sweet 16 game, only team in history to double up an opponent in a Sweet 16 game, so on and so forth. To me, this is the most remarkable one, or at least it's another remarkable one that I had not heard. And I wonder if you guys saw this this morning. I, I, I think Jerry Tipton had it in the Lexington Herald-Leader. Like last night, Bob Huggins became the 11th coach this season to suffer his most lopsided loss at the hands of this Kentucky team. Wow. Is that That's unbelievable? Absurd. They are dealing. That's a great stat. They are dealing people, coaches, Hall of Fame-level dudes, their worst losses in history. Like Bill Self, worst loss in history, this Kentucky team. Bob Huggins, worst loss in history, this Kentucky team. According to Jerry Tipton, Bob Huggins became the 11th coach to take his worst loss of his career to Kentucky. That is unbelievable. That's, uh, that's wild. I kind of just you know vamp on my two games. Sam had the better game, so I'll give him more airtime on his. Um, <laughs> but as for Kentucky, West Virginia... Um, so I, the Notre Dame, which state game was first and I, you know, was kind of interviewing, writing, reporting, getting that done. I look up, I'm not even done my story and it's, it's done. I mean, we're at like the 13 minute mark of the first half. That was the first time I even looked at the game from the press room and I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> so I, I did go out and watch the second half. It was, it was a mauling. Um, that was the first time I'd seen Kentucky in person this season. Uh, obviously super impressive. 
Um, and West Virginia just, they were actually talking to the, the officials in the second half. They're like, can you just let us play? Like, if it's going to be like this and like, let, just let us play. Like, they were just like, listen, they're, they're kicking our butts. Just, you know, you don't need to be calling fouls every 45 seconds. So that was, uh, that was pretty interesting to hear. They just wanted, they just wanted a few more minutes of, of, of basketball. They wanted to play it, you know, their way before their season ended. Um, I did write the story on Daxter Miles Jr., who guaranteed Kentucky would be 36 and one. Um, and just to give kind of listeners a little bit of perspective there. So, you know, the locker rooms open up. Um, some players go to the dais. Some players go to the locker room. I saw that the placard for um, Miles Jr. was not on the dais in the press room, so I knew he would have to be in the locker room. I could not find him. I asked a couple of people where he might be. They definitely did not try and help me discover that. Um, but the, the bathrooms in these locker rooms are kind of open area attached to the locker rooms, and then... I saw him just around a corner, and he stood in there for a few minutes. And uh, then an assistant came in, um, and he was in a bathroom stall standing up. He wasn't using the bathroom. He was just kind of chilling, hanging out. And, um, you know, the, the coach basically said, you got to, Dax, you got to come out. you you got you to address this at some point. And if you want to try and hide and do it tonight, that's fine, but you're going to have to atone for it. So he came out and um, went full Marshawn Lynch. And I had never been in a media situation like that before where – a player just kind of just is trying to mock you to your face. And I called him out on it. And I said, are you just going full Marshawn Lynch on here? Is that what you want to do? And, that, and then he started laughing because he, like, he knew what he was doing and he had kind of had to acknowledge that. But overall, like, he's an 18-year-old kid. And I talked with some of his teammates. That locker room was brutal. Kids crying. The jersey's over the face. Didn't want to speak to him, but you got to. I mean, the locker room's open. Um, so it wasn't, it's not an easy thing to go into a locker room like that. You don't know the players that well in a lot of cases. And here you are. You got to ask them about the game. It's, it is an uncomfortable human situation, uh, but it is what it is. Overall, Miles did face the media. He did talk about eventually after he kept saying Kentucky played great. They played great. Like someone would ask him a question, he would not say anything for five seconds, and he was parroting Marshawn Lynch to the tenth degree. Um, but eventually, he did, you know, thank the seniors and all that stuff. So I will give him credit for that. Uh, but this is, you know, this is what happens. Uh, real quick, Notre Dame, Wichita State. Um, Notre Dame looked so unbelievable on offense, uh, and played so well. I can't help but wonder if they are thinking they might've used up all that, that good stuff a little bit too early. Like they're going to need to replicate that. Absolutely. The way they played against Wichita state, they're not going to be able to do that against, uh, against Kentucky. But you know, if they can get as close as possible to that, they'll have a chance because they looked that good. Uh, and it was just it was it was marvelous to watch. It was gorgeous basketball. So that's kind of my you know Cleveland recap. Sam had the better games though. Sam, you were in Los Angeles. You saw Wisconsin uh, beat North Carolina. They were down seven in the second half uh, in a one point game or one possession game at least in the final seconds. But thanks to free throws, actually covered that minus six number. Congratulations <laughs> to them. And then of course, brutal man. I thought I had that locked. I was the only one that took Carolina. No, 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 no. Free no, throws. Free throws. Sir. Hey. Wisconsin shoots 76% from the free throw line. So if you need free throws late to cover a number, that is the team you want to be working with. Norlander, you rookie. Knocking them down like it was nothing. Knocking them down like it was nothing. And then, of course, um, uh, Arizona. Like, was in a real game with Xavier. You, you know, I, I know it got a little separated toward the end, but, I mean, they were down in, late in the second half. Uh, ultimately, Arizona, Wisconsin, both advance. Uh, they will play on Saturday at Staples Center. Your thoughts on... Just what you saw in L.A. and what you plan to see tomorrow. 
So, yeah, Arizona was a really good game. Um, kind of went the way I expected because I figured that Chris Mack, being, having coached under Sean Miller for five, six years, he would kind of have a better idea to how to attack the Wildcats than most teams would. And I think in those situations that having familiarity within another – with like the opposing team, like with the coaching staff, with the game plans and stuff like that, I think that tends to favor the underdog a little bit. So I thought that that would stay close, but having said that, Arizona looked totally out of sorts. Like, I know that uh, Xavier played that zone defense. Zone defense has been uh, a major problem for Arizona's offense this season most of the time. Um, But they really had them out of sorts for 30 minutes, 35 minutes, and then on the other end, they refused to double Stainbrook because they were so, Sean Miller said this after the game, that they were so worried about Stainbrook's passing that they were just letting Tarzuski guard him one-on-one and Tark couldn't do it. Like, he, he just flat out was not able to do it. So that was a major, major problem, like, throughout the first 30, 35 minutes of the game. And then everything changed when Stainbrook picked up three fouls in, like, 44 seconds. So that basically change the game. If he doesn't do that, I think that there's a chance that Xavier's still standing. And regardless, TJ McConnell showed up at the end. Uh, you know, Stanley Johnson kept them in it early. They kept, for some reason, Xavier kept leaving Stanley Johnson wide open for three. That doesn't really make sense to me. But um, yeah, they, they really uh, they really got a battle. And that's going to be interesting going against, uh, er, or going against Wisconsin because, uh, you know, Wisconsin also hasn't played as well as you would have expected from them in this tournament. Like they've, they didn't struggle against coastal Carolina, but they didn't look great. Um, their second round game against Oregon. They certainly didn't look great. Cause they were tied with what, like five minutes left. It took a nine Oh run with five minutes left in this game to pull away from North Carolina. Um, so uh, this game's going to be interesting to me because I think that despite last night, Arizona might be coming in as the better team. They've won their last coming into last night they'd won their last 13 games by an average of 21 points um that that obviously went down last night but it's it's an interesting matchup because i'm going to be interested to see what how arizona tries to match up with kaminsky a unc went zone a little bit in the second half but mostly they just guarded a man with kennedy meeks and joel james uh i'll be interested to see if Arizona decides to just go with Tarzuski and have Tark guard him on the uh, just guard him on the perimeter, or if they go small and have Brandon Ashley on him, or have even someone like Rondé Hollis Jefferson on him, it wouldn't totally shock me to see him get a couple of possessions against Kaminsky. So it, it's going to be a fascinating matchup. It's going to be a really interesting one. Um, I I don't know the way it's going to go. I picked Arizona, but I honestly have no idea. And this, there's a lot of pressure generally on. I think Sean Miller in this one, because now he this will be his fourth Elite Eight, I believe. And he still hasn't gotten to the Final Four, and he's probably the best coach in America right now without a Final Four appearance. So I think that Bo Ryan kind of... Sean Miller can do that this year. You know, and it's not just as simple as can't get to the Final Four. Like, he, he will be a favorite you know, on, yes. on Saturday. Like it, and he was a favorite last year. Too. Right. So it'll be like at least two straight years where you were favored to get, you know, eight, I know that Arizona's the two seed and Wisconsin's the one, but in terms mm-hmm. of the way smart people look at this stuff, uh, like, yeah. and I mean, odds makers, 
uh, Arizona is the favorite. So two straight years, Arizona favored to get to the Elite Eight. Two straight years, Arizona loses to Wisconsin. If that's the way it goes, uh, that's not a good look. I mean, obviously, Sean's terrific and will continue to be regardless, but that's the type of stuff people start to talk about. I've always, um, you know, I've always spent time talking about, like, bullet points that when bullet points get attached to your get attached to your name in a negative way they just become repeated and repeated and repeated and they become almost like your your middle name and and that would be the case on some level um yeah. you know if if arizona uh loses norlander you think or arizona you think sean miller gets to his first final four i do um i i love that game uh and thankful that i'll get to watch it because it's prior to mine here in cleveland on saturday um, but yeah, I'm going to, I, I tap Arizona. Uh, I had them beating Carolina back at the start of the tournament when I was, you know, so stupid to pick that game, I guess. But yeah, the way they, the way they are assembled and the way they play defense and the way Wisconsin's defense is not the style that Bo Ryan has had in many previous years leads me to believe that they're going to be able to, uh, play another heck of a game. Last year's this game last year was so good. It was the second best game in the tournament to Kentucky yeah. Wichita State, in my opinion. It was such a classic. Um, so I'm thrilled that we get it again. Uh, give me Arizona in a in a close, thrilling game. Um, I want to see like this is a game where you, you've got enough talent like Arizona has. Wisconsin's not a lead on defense. It'd be very refreshing in a weird way. Not that I'm rooting for Arizona, but if they were able to really show us something here, going into the Final Four. And, and really taking it in a, in a revenge game to Wisconsin. If they do that, then that'll really kind of rev the juices once we get to Indy. Yeah, here's one other thing worth mentioning, too. Um, I would say that UNC had a little bit of a crowd advantage last night on Wisconsin. Uh, Arizona last night, th- their fans showed up in a big way, and that's not a surprise given how close Arizona is. That's going to be a very Arizona pro, like pro-Arizona crowd on mm. Saturday. Yeah, and that, that plays into the point spread on some level as well. Yes. Um, Kentucky-Notre Dame, it'll obviously um, be a pro-Kentucky crowd. Every crowd on a neutral court. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be. Hey, listen, Wichita and West Virginia did a decent job showing up. Uh, now they're gone. Notre Dame will have some, don't get me wrong, but this that building is going to be minimally 80% Kentucky on Saturday. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, it'll, I would go seventy five percent Arizona on Saturday. Too. Right, so Kentucky, I think, opened as an eleven point favorite. None of us are picking Notre Dame, are we? I mean, Notre Dame, it's a it's a fun offensive team. They were awesome no, what no. they did to Wichita, but nobody's picking against Kentucky, are we? I'm picking them to cover because why not? Because maybe they can get hot and lose by nine, but no way I pick Notre Dame to win that game. Yeah, I think I think Notre Dame's just going to try and play like a fifty five possession game, like they're, they're going to try and slow it down as much as possible and just jack threes. Well, that, Could happen. That makes as much sense as anything else. I mean, I I, I do believe uh, limiting possessions in, yeah. against a, any team that's way better than you is probably ideal if you're equipped the, to do it. So, sure. The problem with that is that Notre Dame is actually a lot more dependent on getting to the rim and getting those dump offs to August and things than people realize. They're the number one uh, shooting team from two point range this year at fifty eight percent. Uh, and they don't take as many threes as people think like they're they're in the top third of the country, but they're not like in the top, like, you know, 10 percent of the country either. So I think that that's going to be a big problem to look out for, because Jaron Grant, 
is terrific at finishing at the rim, and I think that he's going to have problems finishing at the rim like everyone does against Kentucky. I think August is going to have trouble finishing at the rim like everyone does against Kentucky. So that that's a big thing to look out for, to see if Notre Dame uh, just basically decides to stop whenever they get into the lane and try and pass out and dish out for threes, or if they actually do try and go all the way to the rim and score. And then, GP, before we wrap up, I mean, you're going to Houston Sunday, so yep. it would be a... Uh much welcomed if you got Duke and Zaga. Yeah, I mean that that's what I want honestly. I mean, I you know, I don't I whatever. I mean, if they they'll, they'll play a game on Sunday in Houston regardless, I'll be there. I'm it'll, you know, almost any scenario is interesting. You 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 know, by definition, you could either get Steve Offord getting UCLA to the final four, which would be remarkable given all, you know, it'd be a little bit uh, a, a little bit like VCU going to the final four when everybody yeah. screamed about them going in, except UCLA's UCLA and VCU's VCU. Uh, Larry Kostowiak, DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl getting the final four. That would be a, a, a wow story given the history of that program and how long it was off the national radar. And then, of course, it's it's Okafor and uh, Jones and uh, Winslow and Coach K going back, which is – Easy, and, or or and I think this is actually the best story of all the possible stories. Mark Few getting to his first Final Four, yeah, um, would be the best. And so what whatever happens happens. But yeah, my uh, I was in studio New York uh, CBS Broadcast Center last night. We'll be back in studio this afternoon and all night tonight, and then wake up on Saturday. We'll fly to Houston, be there in time to watch uh, your game uh, first. I think you've got the early tip off, Sam, and then. Your late yep. game, Norlander, and then I yep. will be in the whatever they're calling the stadium down there now. I think yeah, it, I don't, is yeah. it Reliant Stadium? It no, used to it's be Re- not. I know it's not right. It used to be Reliant because I looked it up the other day. I was booking a hotel when I decided to go. It, it's not Reliant Stadium anymore, but it is still the address is Reliant Parkway. So it's <laughs> so they haven't changed the name of the road, but they have changed the name of the stadium. Whatever they call it, it's the big dome that is right next to the Astrodome. Have you guys seen the Astrodome next to it? Have you, have it's, you a, it's a nipple. It really is a nipple. Like it is insane when you because the Astrodome and whatever the the Reliant Stadium or whatever it's called now, it, they're right next to each other. They're positioned like side by side, and the the Astrodome looks like a like a little ten thousand seat on campus basketball arena. It looks like Gamble, basically. Yes, I mean it is. Dang. It looks tiny. They and haven't it, torn down the Astrodome. No, no, it's just still it's still right there. In fact. Somebody recently, like, broke in yeah, and walked around. Yeah, that I saw that. Yeah, and made videos of it, and it's like all the locker rooms are still there. Like, like kind of funny. Where the Bad News Bears played, it's all, like, still there. And so, um, yeah, so, um, it, it, I, so, yeah, I'll be in Houston on Sunday for whatever happens, and, uh, and then back, in, uh, back home on Monday for a day, and then it's off to the Final Four. So we're, we're nearing the finish line, uh, but for folks who don't have the schedule right in front of you, uh, jot this down. Saturday night, 6.09 p.m. Eastern on TBS, Arizona versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin, a one-and-a-half point underdog in that game right now. And then uh, later on that night, Saturday night, 8.49 p.m. Eastern on TBS, Notre Dame against uh, Kentucky. Kentucky has opened as an 11-point favorite. Remember, you can subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes. Quickest way to make sure you get the latest editions. Make sure you do that, and we will talk to you again on Monday, I promise. Till then, take care.